Jerry, what's going on? How are you today? Hey, good, Mark. Man, it's been a long time. How you been? I'm doing great. It's uh, It's been foggy here in Southern California for like two weeks, so I have a lot of uh, Florida FOMO right now. <laughs> I hear you. Um, yeah, we just got into rainy season. It's a thunder and lightning out, so hopefully it doesn't kill the internet connection. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. I was actually supposed to be on a... I was supposed to be in uh in walker's k in grand k on a spearfishing trip with uh some buddies last week and the trip got canceled because my buddy's uh wife is like doing this uh this training in orlando for work and she was gone so there's no one to watch the kids what oh okay I'll say there's kids involved in the same not exactly sure how that stops a dive trip <laughs> no no yeah <laughs> i feel like that would make it easier yeah no there was ki- there's kids involved yeah that makes sense we've been going to uh to Grand K for the last couple of years. And man, we go out for a week at a time, just have so much fun out there. Man, it's amazing out there, man. Um, what, um, what dive gear, what pulse gear are you using out there? The Nomad still? I'm using the, I'm using the Nomad. Yeah. That thing's, that thing's the best. Yeah. I got it from you. I got it from you guys. Yeah. That thing's a, that thing's a beast, especially for the Bahamas. Yeah. It's, it's a beast. I actually personally enjoy, like, I, I enjoy like spearfishing in the Bahamas more than I like actually diving on the West coast at all. No, like I really don't enjoy the West Coast diving. I'm not surprised by that. I'm not surprised by that at all. Like, let me get let, let, let me get this straight. You like crystal clear water with over a hundred foot of visibility, where the water is eighty degrees. More than you like Southern California, where the water is sixty degrees. You can't see the end of your spear gun, and you might see and you might see one fish all day. You might see one fish all day. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, I'm on the same page. I could see how the Bahamas <laughs> wins that, buddy. Yeah, I was. I was, uh, I was diving this last weekend for white sea bass and I'm like, it's cold. It's murky. And you guys are fucking diehard, oh, man. man. It's like you get in the water and you're just like, what am I doing here? I don't see anything. Unless there's 350 pound bluefin in the water. I am not getting in 60 degree water. Like <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Well, I've been, I've been lobbying with my girl to move to Florida now for the last like year. And, uh, we, and she's struggling with that. She is a nurse. So she's like, nurses make less in Florida than anywhere else, but she's in the process of starting her own, like holistic wellness practitioner business. So I'm like, your plan is to do something else anyways, you know? So let's move to Florida. That's interesting. I've, I've always, I was always under the impression they made a lot of money in Florida. They, they don't nurses in Florida, like get, there's something about Florida nurses where they get paid so little compared to other States especially California. Like they get paid the highest in California Interesting. or California is one of the highest paying. Um, yeah. That's, that's a, that's a hard switch. I'm working on it. Well, what's the cost of living allowance difference? So. Yeah. I mean, cost of living and you know, when you, when you put it in cost of living taxes and just freedom in general, there you it's go. got, I, I, I call it, every time I go to Florida, I call it God's country. It really is, man. I love it so much. It really is. There's um, it, it's absolutely just a, a very free and open state here. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, you, you guys have so much water, so many cool things to do. I mean, everything from when we go, when you go to the boat dock, you don't have to pay for parking. You don't have to pay to put your boat in the water. You leave your tra- you leave your truck and trailer there for uh, a week, and no one says anything to you. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to worry about it getting broken into. Yeah, yeah. And if it does get broken into, you call the cops, and they actually they come do and do something about, about it. it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer. I've been, we've been looking at property around the whole state. And so if you did move to Florida, you'd probably move somewhere to the other coast where you can access the Bahamas easy by boat. I mean, I would love to, but we've, we've looked at it. We're looking at anywhere from Naples up to, um, up to Tampa by you guys. And then 
anywhere from really Fort Lauderdale up to Jupiter. So West Coast is the best coast, bro. Yeah. You like the West Coast is where it's at. I, I think so. It's, especially from a spearfishing diving standpoint, it definitely, uh, the, the diving's way better, man. Like the, 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 the beautiful side about the East Coast is, is you can access the Bahamas, but the waters over that side are either very dirty or very fished out because 10 miles offshore from what you just said, Jupiter down 10 to 15 miles offshore, you're just in a, there's a, it's a bottomless ocean. It's not fishable anymore. So like when you look at like, when you look at the amount of coastline and how far offshore it is, it's like a very, it's a very small area. But when you look at like from Naples all the way up to hell, all the way up to the panhandle, pretty much 120 miles offshore is like divable, fishable bottom. So like the, the amount of square miles of fishable diving reef limestone ledge and springs wow. and wrecks awesome. and stuff. It's like, it's a massive amount of area that, of fishery there. That's cool. So with that being said, you, you, if you're in East coast, if you're living on the East coast and you're in that Southern Florida area, you're pretty much going to the Bahamas. If you're a spirit fisherman, right? if you, if you're on that coast, you would, I'm not saying that you wouldn't dive that area often, but you, you might do like a, a handful of times, but for the most part, you're shooting the Bahamas and like, depending on where you're at, on that coast, I want to say like from Stewart, Florida, maybe um, West Palm Beach area, Deerfield Beach area, like you might be like less than a 65 mile road to the West End, like depending on where you're at on the coast. So it's like, I think it's like 56 miles. Yeah. 56, 60 miles. It's close. Yeah. And like I said, it's all relative to where you're leaving from and how far your boat is in the intercoastal. But, but, it, but at the end of the day, it's, it's a very short run. I mean, that's awesome. I mean, I think it's in Bimini is what, like 30 miles from Fort Lauderdale. That sounds about right. I mean, it's, and that's like us going to Catalina on on the east coast on the, on the west coast here yeah absolutely and if you had if your boat was in naples all the way up to say cedar key area which is like northern florida now yeah um if you went that same 80 miles offshore you're in either the elbow or the middle grounds or like some really like the steps like you're in some really cool areas to to actually dive and free dive and spearfish wow. and opens up the whole range of areas to pelagic fish so that's awesome well that's good to know so. yeah <laughs> Well, now, now you know. I appreciate it. Well, let's uh, let's dive into a little bit about uh, about you and you know Neptonics and kind of let's hear the story of of how did you get started and like how did how did you get into spearfishing and then actually get into building building the brand of Neptonics? Yeah, so man, um, the journey has been a long journey. My dad got me into free diving and spearfishing when I was maybe five years old. Grew up doing that with him, whether it was lobstering in the Keys or scalloping up in Bayport area. And then um, got into spearfishing a bit, was into this whole scuba diving side with that from the time I was a kid, as long as I can remember up until I went in the military. I went in the Marines um, at 17, turned 18 in boot camp. And, um, in the whole process of that I was a dive instructor in the military, got out and got into like, really got into like the competitive side of free diving and spearfishing, went to a handful of tournaments. The gear I wanted didn't really exist like this, like now we're talking like, this is like probably 2002 timeframe. So there was like two brands that were in the USA from a free diving spearfishing world. And that was at the time, Omir and Rife and their gear lines were very primitive and basic. There was like three different spear guns to pick from one length float line to pick from. There was Omir had a handful of different wetsuits. Hopefully you were lucky enough to make it fit. So it was, um, it was a real like, um, small market of gear. And there wasn't really a lot of guys or, or women for that matter doing it at the time. And then, um, I think Daryl Wong was hand making spear guns in, um, in Hawaii. He's still making spear guns. He still makes a beautiful spear gun. And, um, 
So at the time, like um, the gear I wanted didn't exist. So I just started making shit. So I started making my own float ones that were like thin enough and long enough so I could dive deeper. I started making hybrid guns. I worked with Daryl on a bit to make some spear guns that I liked and built a handful of my own. Long story short, I was like basically piecing the shit together in my crappy ass apartment. And I'd show up at a spearfishing tournament and um, I would do really well in the tournament. Whether I'd win it or not, I was usually like in the top three or four. And um, I was at a tournament and this guy's like, hey, where'd you get that spear gun at? And I was like, well, I made it. He's like, well, I want to, he's like, I want to buy one from you. And I'm like, no, I'm not really interested. He's like, actually, I want to buy, he goes, actually, I want to buy four of them from me. He goes, I want two for me and then one for each of my boys. And I'm like, no, man, I'm really not interested, blah, 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 blah. Like half of it was like my secret to making these things. They were a super big pain in the ass to make. Long story short, I was, I was selling fish, working on a part-time commercial boat. I was running a vending machine company that I owned. I was working at a, at a country bar as a bouncer and I'm at this tournament and this guy's like, I'll give you five grand for, for four spear guns. And I'm like, well, 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 that's more money than I'm making in a fucking month. So I guess I'm going to get to work. So I started doing all the math on it. And that's when I, um, at the time my little, I didn't even have a dive shop, but it became blue water sensations. And I was buying my stuff from, uh, Josh with Neptonic Systems at the time. It was kind of like baking cookies, right? Like you don't set all that shit up and make all that mess in the oven for in the kitchen for one cookie. So, you know, I bought all this stuff and I made 12 spear guns and sold the guy his four and I had eight left. And I'm like, well, fuck, what do I do with these? And I put them on eBay and they were sold in like a week. And I got a phone call the next day from who's now my best friend and my dive partner, um, Lee Hoagland. And he's like, Hey, I live in Wesley Chapel. Um, I want to buy two of these. And I'm like, he's like, can you bring them over so I don't have to pay shipping? And I'm like, fuck yeah. So I literally like put them in the truck and went over that day. And him and I went diving two days later and been buddies ever since. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. And the rest has just been a long journey of bullshit, but that was in a nutshell how it happened. So you started as a custom gun maker and buying parts from Josh. Under blue water sensations. Mm -hmm. I was making guns and originally started out with like the small stuff was like float lines and um, bungees and stuff like that. Like I was making all the links and stuff that I wanted to dive with. And then it's turned into guns and that whole bit. And so where did, where did things go? What, what year was that when you, when you got into that? So that was 2004. Oh, wow. So that was a long time ago. So yeah, close to 20 years. So that I ran it like that and it was just like, at first it was just a giant pain in the ass. It was like, I'd build some stuff and it was a bit of a side hustle, but I didn't really have time for it because I was working other jobs and shit like that. And then all of a sudden it just like started working. And then my apartment just became like a fucking dive shop for lack of a better term. There was like fucking raw materials all over the place and float lines and spear guns and shafts. And I mean, it was like, it was like the epitome of a bachelor pad. It was just like gear everywhere in this thing. Like, I mean, literally wetsuits are drying in the bathroom and <laughs> like the whole, the whole yeah. thing. Right. And, um, I, I, I bought a townhouse in Dade city and it had a one and a half car garage. I'm like, hell yeah. Like I got room for all my gear and I moved everything into there. And that was in 2005. And then over the course of like three years or so, it overtook that thing. It like, next thing you know, the living room and the, the extra bedroom and the office was all fucking bad gear again. And then it was a storage unit. Then it was two storage units in the house and it's been a bit chaotic and then finally moved it into a warehouse and. 2014 and that's when josh and i partnered up but you know we were doing trade shows together and you know i was distributing salvimar at the time and he's buying like 
pallets of beer from me and I'm buying pallets of stuff from, from him. And it's like, man, we're just constantly just shipping stuff back and forth. We should probably join forces on this. For sure. And so, what so year, yeah, that's like, um, what year did that partnership happen in? To May of 2014. Okay. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. So almost 10 years ago. Very cool. Nine years ago. Yeah. Nine yeah. years ago last month. That's awesome. And so over, over the course of like the last nine years, you guys have partnered and built it up and you, you know, obviously you guys have, you know, a couple different areas of your business, right? You guys manufacture your own stuff. You guys sell other people's stuff. You got brick and mortar, you got online, right? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. We, so we manufacture, we import, we export, um, online and then a brick and mortar. We had three brick and mortars, but we closed two of them. One of them in Ventura was just bad luck, bad timing, just not a long enough dive season to make it work. That was just a poor business decision on my mind. COVID killed the Long Beach man. Yeah. That's a bummer because that location that was, a, was that was that place was that place was rocking and rolling and doing very yeah. well. And that was just um there was just the circumstances. It wasn't quote unquote a, a central business and I hadn't had it established long enough to make it float for five and a half, six months that California had it closed for. Totally. Yeah. And being in LA County specifically was one of the worst counties to be in during COVID. Yeah. It was tough, man. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know about all the politics in and out of how that worked there, but that was a really challenging place. Yeah. Such a bummer because that was a re really great location. And how long was that open? We had that yeah. opened for just underneath four years. So about three and a half years to be exact. Yeah. I think we signed the lease for it in like March of 2016. No, April of 2016. But I don't think we had the mm -hmm. shop and everything all set up until like August. So it took like a while for that build up. So. And do you, do you guys have any, I'm curious, do you have any more like endeavors to ever go back into brick and mortar again? Or was that scar just enough to say, we're going to keep the Tampa location. That's it. No. Um, I definitely have like some ambition of how to do it better in the future. I just haven't done that. And it, like, like the dream is like, what I'd love to do one, at one point one day would be to like turn it into like a, a medium size, what brewery would be right. Like there's like a tap room where there's a bunch of glass windows that you can look back there and see all the beer being made. And I would love that to be like, like the showroom is a combination of a showroom slash tap room coffee in the morning, a drive around like bait shack ice house out back where you can go buy all the chum and all the ice that you need out That's back. Awesome. And it's like just yeah. literally gets put right into your boat on a trailer in the back of your pickup truck. Yeah. And like the big retail spot that looks into the back where like the orders are being packed and all the, the float lines and all the gear and the guns are being made on the CNCs we, because it's like, like long-term vision of it, but not quite there yet. Yeah. That, that would be awesome, man. That, that but, would be so cool. Driving local traffic for coffee and beer and wine. Yeah. And... Like I'd love to put like a little like tap room in there, like a quote unquote, a dive bar for lack of a more generic name. Right. <laughs> literally the dive bar literally the dive bar right like yeah everyone comes back and tells their dive stories fishing stories after and yeah yeah i'd like to get it like in a pretty central location to like where tournaments could be ran out of it and there's like a, a place to do like the award ceremony and all that bullshit but you know like that's i'm not i'm i don't know if i can if that's going to happen in the next like five years or not that's a pretty ambitious thing well how are things going uh with with the econ business and everything online. Um, it's really, it's been really good, man. Um, I've had a, nothing to do with the e-com side so much, but it's been a lot to do with like the supply chain issues. And, you know, I feel like the internet is through COVID grew faster than what like website servers and inventory and shit could keep up with it. It was just like this 
all of a sudden America as a whole just became very reactive instead of proactive. And that's typically never a good place for a business to be. Yeah. How was, I'm curious, how was COVID for you guys online just by people getting into, I, I feel like spear phishing has been blowing up even more than it was four or five years ago. You've got all of these YouTubers that are in these different outdoor enthusiasts that are now getting into spear fishing. Yeah. I feel like it's, um, COVID was good overall. Um, it definitely increased a lot of traffic and sales, but it also caused all the supply chain issues and stuff. I mean, we're still dealing with it as of today, you know, like I have a wetsuit order that was paid for in late December. That was that shipped before the Chinese new year. And it's still not here. It's just like one small oh thing. Yeah. It's just, so it, it's just, it's wow. across the board brutal like that, but that's nothing to do with the e-commerce business that you're saying, but the e-commerce is what drives the sales to buy that stuff. But it's also the inventory that you don't have to sell. No, totally. And especially for you guys, like you guys are in hard goods. It's not like you're in fashion where you got an 80% margin off of, you know, your cost of goods, selling wetsuits, I wish. making spear guns, all of this stuff is not cheap. Yeah. Some of the margins on this stuff that, you know, people think would be there just simply doesn't exist. Like it, that, that whole thing of like where the mom and pop dive shops, like we need to make a hundred percent, like that ship sailed. Like that's, that's gone. That's never coming back. I mean, it would take one hell of an economic reset to make that work right like that again. Yeah. And I mean, you guys even are manufacturing your own suits, you know, and, and, uh, and making your own gear, mm -hmm. you know, apart from a lot of these other mom and pops that are just buying, you know, the, the, the name brands from the other brands. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So like what I'm curious, like w you guys make so many different products, right? And mm -hmm. your business is pretty complex. You've got online brick and mortar and you guys, I'm assuming you guys, you guys dealer too, and, or have dealers internationally, right? That you guys sell to. We have several. You guys yes. sell gun parts mm -hmm. to people. Like what would you say is like your favorite part of the business overall or the, the, the place that you feel has the most opportunity? either product category or channel. I, I feel like, I feel like the place that has the most opportunity is growing the e-commerce yeah. side. Um, my favorite part of the business is designing and making new gear to make the sport better for the future. But making new gear is the most expensive, challenging part of it. And it sounds like something that would be so easy, but it's like, okay, I got to come up with a product and then I got to make the product. And then I got to go test the product, which then I got to go make it right again. Okay, now cool. I figured out how to make that one prototype. I figured out how to make the five prototypes work right. And now I got to figure out how to manufacture this thing at a reasonable number that I can sell and make a profit with. So it's actually, um, it's actually something that would appears to be really simple. It's super challenging. And there's been a hundred products that maybe not a hundred, but there's definitely been like a good 25 products over the years that I'm like, this is an amazing idea, but I can't make it for a number that would sell. And there's a handful of items and stuff like that that's in the spearfishing industry. Like I feel like um, roller muzzles is a really good example of that. Like a lot of companies made these roller muzzles and adapted to all these different spear guns, but there was no way for them to really make that thing affordable from the start, right? Like you got a $20,000 mold, you got all these, you know, 35 different parts, all these different screws. And all of a sudden you have an accessory that goes to a spear gun that costs $200 more than the spear gun does. And it's like, like fuck guys. Yeah, for sure. And someone's got to really, they've got to take an existing gun and then, and then essentially re-engineer it on their own. Right. Yeah, it's exactly it. I mean, I'm, like imagine going to buy like the best new brand new 
Ram truck on the market, right? Let's just hypothetically call it the TRX, which I don't know if that's their best truck or not, but it's a really badass truck. It's 100K, right? And imagine there's like some cool accessory that you want for that truck that costs $110,000. Like you're probably not going to buy that fucking accessory. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. Probably, probably not. Right. And it's the same thing for a spear gun. Like you got a really badass carbon fiber pipe gun. That's a $550 pipe gun, but the roller muzzle that goes to it's $550 extra. You're like, eh, probably, probably not doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what's uh, what's the game plan for the future? Like, where do you guys see yourself like going like over the next year or two? with Neptonics? My game plan over the next few years is to more so expand on the soft goods. And when I say soft goods, to make new wetsuits, more wetsuits. Um, we're in the works with some different carbon fiber um, fins and stuff like that, trying to evolve the carbon fiber fin market to a little bit better. And I wouldn't say a better quality, just more progressive, more like something that would change the way you kick and dive, like some, some different design models we've been working back and forth with, with GFT there. And um, I, little by little, just to keep growing the company with new products and new customers and maintaining our good customers. Absolutely. That's awesome. And, uh, I know you, I remember when we were, just our conversations in the past, you guys had some problems with like, with advertising it's been terrible. on certain channels like Facebook, right. And just going after, going after paid ads and with the fact that you're selling spear guns and, and Facebook having issues with that. What are you guys doing right now? Yeah. So face, Facebook and Instagram, I think Meta is one of the same company now. And I think maybe when you and I talked, it might not have been that way, but it is now. So it is. Yeah. Somehow the other, most dive shops are labeled as hunting companies, which is fine, but they, they advertise it that we're selling weapons. So like our dive knives are like labeled as a weapon, which obviously it could be a weapon, but next to my ad is, the cooking store, William Sonomas that's selling chef knives. And I'm like, well, where's the fucking line drawn? So that's been a really interesting battle. And then like to really up the extremes, and then you have Bass Pro Shops that's literally like advertising on there and they're selling archery equipment and rifles. And I'm like, eh, okay, I realize your budget's bigger than mine, but damn guys, like talk about double standards. Yeah, totally. So what are you guys, what are you guys doing to acquire new customers these days? Mostly it's just a chain of just advertising through, through podcasts, um, with Noob Spiro, with the Spear Factor, um, we're now with Field Ethos, um, but primarily just advertising to the newer customer base like that, constantly supporting the local tournaments, the international tournaments, et cetera. Do you guys have a team or like sponsored team or anything like that? Are any influencers that you guys are working with? Um, we do not have a team of divers. We do have, um, we do have a few ambassadors, quote unquote, if you'd like to label it like that would be the best way to put them. But as far as like an actual sponsored diver who like is getting paid from us to go diving there, that doesn't exist. Yeah, no, no. I feel like that rarely happens in any sport these days. Even like I was reading in the WSL, you know, the World Surf League, like most of the most of the pro surfers that are like on the pro circuit are paying their own way to go surf the competitions. Like they just don't have sponsors that are even paying them enough anymore to to travel to competitions now it's all out of pocket and then they're hoping that they'll win to take home a purse yeah so what um i'm not sure how the surfing world works but from the spearfishing world the biggest problem that we've had with that is there's not really a way to hold anyone accountable you know to outfit a diver with all the gear can be upwards of six thousand dollars expensive so it's very expensive 
And then all you can do is hope they tag it on social media. And then half the time they're trying to do everything they can. So it's nothing like with malice in my honest opinion, maybe it is, I don't feel like it is, but you know, they're sponsored by this company and they're sponsored by Neptonics and they're sponsored by another company. And then they go get this one beautiful fish, but no one can benefit from that one beautiful fish because it's using, they, they took one picture with a Neptonics float in it. And then they took another picture with, with an ocean hunter float and they took another picture with a hatch float and they took another picture with a Koa float. And it's like, well, great. Now none of us can use it. Yeah, totally. So it's kind of like um, different gear in it. Yeah, it's, absolutely. So that, that's been like a bit of the, um, the challenges that I've had in the past with it. And I'm not saying it's always like that, but I've also never bought something off Instagram because Tiger Woods was holding, wearing that glove with his golf club either. So maybe I'm a little biased on that, but I kind of think it's a broken system. For sure. For sure. Now I, you know, I think, you know, if, if I, you know, we we were just talking what we were talking about before we, we uh, started the podcast today, but I think there's a lot that you guys could be doing with education. Sure. Well, that's part of the reason I started the whole Neptonic Spearfishing Academy. It was like half the problem that we deal with with our phone calls is like misinformation. Like, and I'm not saying that that idea wouldn't work, but it's, there's definitely, there's, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Like we all know that, but so many people just get wrapped in their head that you can't do it that way. And then, I mean, you'll see them come in or just present ideas that are just fucking bottom line dangerous. They're going to get themselves killed or their, their friend killed or something like that. I'm like, holy shit. So that was the whole idea behind the Academy was to actually present factual information that we know is battlefield, battlefield tested and true. Yeah. It's interesting how, you know, you go hunting in any state for the most part, you need a hunting license to go hunting. And that's just pretty much basic gun safety. 101. how to, how to treat an animal. If you kill it, how to properly draw a weapon. 101. when it comes to spearfishing, it's like anyone and their mom can go out and buy a weapon and get in the water yeah. and fire it, which is, kind of alarming exactly. because if you don't know what you're doing, you can kill yourself or someone around you. Yeah. It's a really interesting topic that you got there, but yeah, I, I'm always in a room, room for improvement, but um, I'm definitely interested in that community aspect that you were talking about of plugging that into the website. Yeah. I think you guys would kill it and I'll send you a couple links. There's two platforms specifically. One of them is called, I, th- I mentioned it's called um, um, school S K O O L. And the other one's called Circle. And essentially they're both like closed community platforms. So think about you could you could invite your whole email list to become members of that community and be like, you're being invited right now, and they can join it. And then you guys could essentially start facilitating and fostering content in the back end of that portal. You guys could do like, you know, webinars or like, you know, trainings once a week or every other week. Be like, we're going to do a live training. You're going to have it in there. Then you could build whole courses, right? So you could build out a whole. Yeah, that's a really, that's a, that's a brilliant idea. I love it. Yeah. It's, um, I, you know, it's, um, there's a, there's a lot of cool things you can do with that. Like we're working with one of our clients right now is, um, Anthony Hichet from Bad Company. Are you familiar with Bad Company World Tour? Man, that name sounds so familiar. Yeah. So Anthony is, he's the founder of. What do they do? So he's the founder of Lone Depot and he's like had one of the, he's got the most badass sport fishing team in the world right now. 
So they have like multiple Damon yacht support vessels with game boats that sit on top of 150 to 175 foot super yacht support vessels. That's so badass. They have, yeah, they have these boats like positioned in, you know, they, in the Western hemisphere, the Eastern hemisphere, Northern, Southern hemisphere, like all around. And he's going on this world tour right now to like specifically rod and reel fish for blue marlin, blue, black, and white marlin, like all around the world. Like we're talking about 900,000 plus pound fish. And, uh, you know, apart from that, he got a lot of notoriety because he fished the tournament season for years, like won Bisbee's, did tournament season for over 20 years. And now he's like, I want to go on, like, I want to go travel fishing and like go to areas that no one has been to or very few people have been to. And so through that, he's essentially built a brand of bad company and people want apparel, like they want to represent it. So we're building out a, um, a whole brand for them and getting ready. I think we're going to be launching the site in, uh, in early July. It's funny that you say that. Cause when you were talking about the Marlin circuit, I mean, I feel like it was an apparel company, what I've seen about it. And I feel like I've seen like some ads possibly floating around somewhere, but I've definitely, I've definitely heard of it. Yeah. Have you seen, there's actually, they've, they've been on a couple of podcasts. One of them is the uh what is it called uh the state of sport fishing podcast have you heard that one I, i've heard of the podcast but i not i have not yeah. listened to any of them i'll send you i'll send you a links to there to cool. the, to take it out they, they actually just did an update one that talks about the whole world tour and everything they've done but oh, cool. it's uh it's pretty cool and they built like this massive following and now they've got a youtube channel going so they've been they've been documenting every trip and they go on these trips for like two to three weeks at a time and those two to three week trips, they've got a, they've got their own film crew that's out there documenting all these fish, what's going on every day, running, gunning. It's, it's so, so sick. I'll send you the links to it. Sounds like a hard but life. It's, it's, it is. I mean, it's, he's like, he's, their whole goal is like, we, we're, we have the ability to go on this cool trips and we want to document to show people what's out there in the world because People, a lot of people don't realize everyone thinks fish, like everyone thinks soccer is the biggest sport in the world. Fishing is actually the biggest sport in the world. There's more people that I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised by that. Yeah. It's more people that fish than do any, any other sport in the world. So yeah, I could see how like soccer would be the most televised sport or maybe the most watched sport, but as far as participants, no way. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Quite interesting. But, um, yeah, so we, we, I, we've been talking with them about doing the same thing. They want to like show people how to tie a bad company knot. They want to teach people how to do it their way. And so we talked about building a backend portal, similar system. And this, I got this idea actually from the, um, the crafting market. So when you look at like any type of crafting, like, you know, sewing, knitting, like making, all of that stuff. Quilting, any of those, that. It's a very, very passionate interest group, very similar to fishing, diving, niches, like super passionate micro niche audiences. Um, but those people are like screaming for, inf- for information. They want to learn more and they need the gear to do the work. So they need, they need the supplies. So with your market, think about like everyone that Everyone that hears about spearfishing and says, I want to do that. Every dad that's like, I want to, I want to get in this sport. I want to teach my kids how to do this. I want to learn how to do it. 
Well, where are they going? They're going on the internet and they're trying to consume information, like how to rig a gun. What type of gun do I want to buy? Sure. Where do I want to go? What are the rules? Like, how do I do this? And if you guys could build a backend system that like invites people into there, you guys could run ads to be like, join the community, right? Get access to all of this or even charge like a membership, like a hundred bucks a year, get access to it. I think there's a couple different ways you could do it. And then you guys own that asset. That's a great idea. I'm definitely, I'm definitely, I'm definitely interested in it. Um, about the community though, is that like, um, is that something that the community answers these questions or? Good question. Yeah. So you, <clears throat> you want to have. Cause that's part of the, that's part of the, the, the reason why I made the Spearfishing Academy and I don't have it set up like this where you, people can ask questions and the community can answer, but I definitely would like to make something where people could ask questions and the staff could answer for everyone to see. Absolutely. And you could do that. So in the back end of so the portal. I guess what I'm getting at, Mark, is what I was trying to avoid was like some of the Facebook groups or some of the old spearboard posts or some of the spearfishing planet posts or bloody decks. It's like you get one guy who asks a question and you get 30 different answers and none of those 30 answers are that they're not all wrong answers, but they're not the best answer for that. They're not the best answer. Yeah. And, and what you can do is, you know, there's a little bit when you run these types of communities, cause I'm in just for e-com, I'm in like 10, 12 of these communities just on Slack. Some of them are paid. Okay. I pay to be a part of it. Some of them are free. Some of them are with like different tech partners. Right. But it's same thing. E-commerce people that are running e-commerce businesses are looking for more information on how to run the business. But there's a couple ways to run it. One of them, you want to set rules when someone joins a community. You want to say, here are the rules. If you're disrespectful, we're kicking you out. If you want to say something inappropriate, you want to do something inappropriate, you want to bully someone, you're out of here. So it's our group. This is not Facebook's group. This isn't anyone else's. We make the rules here. Here's how it works, right? And that way you set the tone for how people react. And you could open it up where you can be like, someone ask a question and someone you could be like, Hey, I'm, I'm going, I'm going diving in this. I'm, I'm looking to go on a trip to La Paz. Does anyone know any good outfitters, like any good guides in La Paz, Mexico? Sure. And then it's like, cool. You can answer it there. Also, you might have a resource. You guys might have a training where you guys, you know, did a training on like the top 10 different guide outfits in La Paz, Mexico. And then you could just send them the link to that training or that guide that you have in there. Right. So it's like a resource library and in trainings and then also information. And the reason you're not necessarily like I wouldn't I don't you know, I wouldn't necessarily make it the goal to monetize this. But if you can bring people into it, then you're keeping them in a place. And then every time you release a new product, you have that built in audience. Right. Yeah. No, I like it. I definitely think the I love the uh, customer interaction side of it. I think that's a. It's a brilliant thing because I, I mean even everything from like locally to like even you guys hey does anybody have any visit reports what the what what's the conditions like or over here it's the same thing like you know guys don't want to run their boats 40 miles offshore if they know the water's dirty just because the weather's flat so those are all like really beneficial things totally and there's so many different things like one of them can be i mean think about like everything in like everything around the sport of spearfishing there's boating etiquette right there's reading water conditions, there's reading ocean conditions, there's diving, like there's nutrition for diving, right? There's like all of these, and it's all lifestyle based, right? 100%. It's 
all lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I think there's a lot you guys could do with that. And think about this, you get, you know, you get your whole email list activated into there and you get them excited to be participating. You can also like on school, you can, you can set rules where if people like participate enough, then they'll get certain badges. And if they get certain badges, they can get access to freebies and other things. So you can gamify the experience of them participating. Yeah, I like it. That's a really good yeah. idea, man. So anyways, I'll, I'll shoot you a couple links to it. And obviously for anyone listening, the links to some of the platforms we talked about. But um, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Well, Jerry, it was, it was great having you on today. I know we're going a little over, but... Yeah, thanks yeah, for having if, me, man. If anyone's interested in learning more about spearfishing or neptonics in general, like um, where can they get some more information? Uh, neptonics.com. Awesome. All the contact info's on there. Um, the academy's on there as well. Um, we have a brick and mortar store in Tampa if you're in that area. But um, yeah, whole staff and everybody's ready to help out. Awesome. Thanks, Jerry. And we'll put some links to neptonics.com and your guys' social in the, uh, in the meeting notes as well. Yeah, looking forward to it, man. Thanks a lot. Cool. Thanks, Jerry.